Heavenly Father, Lord God, we give you praise and honor and glory, Heavenly Father, this morning, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for this beautiful day. And we know this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, Lord God. And we are so glad this morning, Lord God, to be in your holy presence. And we thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit among us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace, mercy, and your love and kindness, Lord God. And we thank you for your joy and peace, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for bringing us from a mighty long way, Lord God. Because we know that greater is he that is in us, Lord Jesus, than he that is in the world. And we glorify you and we praise your holy name. For you are more than worthy to be praised and greatly to be praised. For you've been mighty good to us, Lord God. And you truly brought us from a mighty long ways. And we thank you for blessing us to be here this morning in this worship service, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, wherever we do this morning, we bring honor and glory to your precious holy name, Lord God. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us from the Father this morning. And we thank you, Lord God, this morning. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you do, Lord God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us on Calvary, Lord God. And we love you, Lord God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength for who you are, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for all that you do, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for each and every one that's gathered here this morning, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for the obedience, Lord God, to be here, Lord God, in this worship service, Lord God, to hear the word that's going to go forth, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, will move freely among us, Lord God. And we pray that you'll bless each and every one here, Lord God, this morning. And we pray that they would be blessed, Lord God, to the overflowing, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And that you continue to meet every need, Lord God, and continue to hear and answer every prayer, Lord God. For we know, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful and you are true to your word, Lord God. And you love your people, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And you love us more than anyone ever could, Heavenly Father, Lord God. For you will never leave us nor forsaken us, Lord God. And you're always by our side. And we thank you, Lord God, this morning. And I ask you, Lord God, to fill us and to refill us with your spirit, Heavenly Father, this morning. And we thank you, Lord God, for the word that's going to go forth this morning, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that your word is living and powerful, Lord God. Sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord God. And your word will not return to you for this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you that your word will always, Lord God, will come up to our earthly minds. And that your word will be written on the tablets of our hearts, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for the anointing upon the pastor, Lord God. We thank you for Pastor Frazier, Lord God. And we thank you for everything that she teaches us, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God. Looking back on the pandemic, you'll want to be proud to say, I did everything I could. I found the strength. I looked out for everyone. We belong to you. And we was bought at a price, Heavenly Father. And we know the enemy is defeated. And he has no authority or power over us, Lord God. So we bind him this morning, Lord God. And we cast him, Lord God, back to where he came from in the name of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And every tongue which rises us up against us in judgment, we shall condemn, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, this morning. 
Thank you, Lord God, for filling us with your spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit this morning. We ask that the Holy Spirit will have his way this morning, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that hearts will be changed and minds be renewed, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we want to thank you for your holy presence, Lord God. And we just want to give you all the honor and all the glory, Heavenly Father, this morning. And thank you for healing and thank you for deliverance. And thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding as it brought our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So I see uh, Dr. Carson's on the line. And uh, uh, she had a birthday this week. Yeah. Uh, May 21st was her birthday. And... Uh, Yesterday, she had a beautiful picture on Facebook, um, <laughs> and uh, so she's now a year older and wiser, and we're going to let her uh, provide us with some praise and worship music this morning, and if you want to say anything, you're welcome to speak. Well, Happy morning. birthday! Happy birthday. Happy, birthday. Happy, birthday. Happy birthday, Dr. Carson. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sister. Happy birthday. 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 Happy birthday.
Pentecost. This is Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to talk about Pentecost and how it plays a great role in the church of today. Okay. Okay. So I was uh, explaining. Well, what I was saying was, we God put people in our lives, and and we may not know it. And uh, sometimes the enemy puts people in our lives, but God shows us the difference. This uh, young man we talking about, when I was out there uh, really bad, one day I was just sickly. I was just sickly. I was weak. I was sickly. And, and he looked at me and he said, number one, you need some water. And number two, you need some food. So he uh, uh, took me to this place in Menlo Park out here and... Uh, Got me all these types of vegetables that I wouldn't even eat, bok choy and all this weird stuff. And I told him I wasn't going to eat it. He said, eat it. And, and what had happened was I, I was uh, winded up going to the hospital later on to find out that I, I was totally dehydrated. And, and I had no fluids uh, uh, properly running through my body. So in, in other words, God sent him. Uh, uh, to let me know, hey, you know, it's time to put down the meth for a minute and 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 refuel your body with water and and eat. So it it may not be a when I was talking to him yesterday after all these years and Pastor, you were right. That was over uh uh my God, fifteen maybe sixteen years ago. But um yeah, and, and so uh, it, it's like this. God sent him to let me know what I needed to do at that particular time. So that that's mainly the testimony of that because God sends people, whether we know it or not, God sends people when we need something uh, uh, intervene in our life. When God got a plan for us, he will send somebody to intervene with the garbage that you're doing because that methamphetamine, people were putting stuff in it and, and, I'm telling you, it just took all the the liquids and fluids out of my body. So I was near death and and didn't really know it. But God sent somebody. God sent somebody to to show me. And like I said, it was funny because he didn't even remember it. See, people do things for you. uh, And if it's good people, they don't half the time even remember it but it's things that you don't forget and i and i can go on and on uh uh same thing happened with bonnie god rest her soul with bonnie daughter latasha who lived uh, across from me so i mean the same thing happened then with with her but anyway i can go on and on uh uh but after i talked to him pastor it hit me god sends people so I don't want to yeah. go, <clears throat> I can go on and on with that, but I want y'all to know that God sends people and I'm going to leave it like that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I can relate to that because God sent Richard to me. Amen. Yes. So when we, uh, you know, understand that God knows who to send and, you know, he did it in the Bible too, because, uh, when, uh, Apostle Paul was uh, uh, on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, uh, and uh, he saw the light of God, and it caused him to be blind. God sent somebody to uh, pray for him so that he could be healed and he could seek out sight, so that he could go ahead and do the work that God called him to do. 
see, God had a plan for Reverend, and uh, he just used Bernard because he was a willing, willing vessel to do that. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your people. And we ask, Father God, that you would anoint me to speak a word in due season, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. And I thank you, Father God, that whatever I do and say will bring glory and honor to you. We know that it's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by your precious Holy Spirit. And we thank you so much, Father God, because you are not a man that you would lie, nor a son of man that you would repent. If you said it, you'll bring it to pass, and we give you glory and honor in advance for what you will do this morning. In Jesus' name, anoint the ears of the hearer and cause their hearts to be open to receive your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about Pentecost this morning, and our scripture, of course, is Acts 2, and we're going to use uh, uh, some scriptures from Acts, starting with Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. But uh, uh, we want to un help you understand about Pentecost. So now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent uh, wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And other translations would say they began to speak in other tongues because the language that they were speaking was an, an unknown language. It was not a known language. But these people who were there heard the praises and that were going up in tongues, they heard in their own language. And I always like to explain that because there's a lot of controversy about speaking in other tongues and whether it's for today. It's usually called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. 
So many Jews regard Pentecost as the day Moses received the law on Sinai, which they calculated having been the 50th day after the Exodus. We as Christians, uh, uh, Pentecost refers to the downpour or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the early church in Jerusalem, and it's recorded, of course, in Acts chapter 2. You see, this was what Jesus spoke of. Jesus said that he would send another comforter when he uh, told the disciples that he was going to have to leave them. And so the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit was uh, manifested in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. So we see that in chapter 2, that this happened in that upper room, that same upper room where all all of the disciples except Judas and there were women and children in that upper room when that mighty wind came in and manifested as tongues of fire. So Pentecost was an experience and it's not a denomination. It's not Pentecostalism. You see, we have a denomination or several Pentecostal denominations, but that is not what this day of Pentecost recognizes, not denominations, but the introduction of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit was manifested to those in the upper room and now is available to us as a company. So it's not the holiness of a lot of people would say, well, you know, those holiness people, that's what we used to call them. Uh, you know, they, uh, that's what they do. But no, some of us are not uh, considered Pentecostal, uh, but the denominations that believe what the Word of God says, and they believe all the Word of God, certainly believe that those um, from the Holy Spirit continue to manifest. So we want to understand. So Pentecost was an experience, not a denomination. It's not Pentecostalism. It's not the holiness denomination. It's not a, a doctrinal system of beliefs. It's an experience that every child of God receives. And so we have to understand that. And uh, so every child of God can receive that. They can. And so often say, well, that's, that's for some folks. Well, it's for some folks if you want to be some folks. But it doesn't for some folks. It can be for all those that are saved, all of those that have received Christ as their Savior. And the Pentecostal denominations uh, used to do teaching that was an error when they said that you had to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but you can't be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues unless you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Holy Ghost doesn't dwell in an unclean temple. So if you're not saved, you cannot receive uh, this infilling that occurred in the upper room. So we need to understand today uh, that 
all of God's people can receive uh, according to uh, the, the, even the sermon that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. Because you see, Peter gave a sermon on that day, and 3,000 people got saved. That's a pastor's dream. I dream of 3,000 people get saved when I preach. It's a, it's a, just a miracle. So, so the promise is for to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. That's what Peter said in Acts 2 and 39. And so to better understand this outpouring from God of his Holy Spirit, we need to keep in mind the three office works of the Holy Spirit. The first office work of the Holy Spirit is that of a convictor. The Holy Spirit convinces us or convicts us of our sins. He helps us to remember when we're getting out of order, when we need to go back and get in place again. And so I use the example all the time of when you run a stop sign, and I know I'm not the only one that has run a stop sign. When you run that stop sign and you know the Holy Spirit is in your life and, 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 and he's speaking to you, you'll say, oh my God, I am that light. Lord, forgive me, I have done that. You know, because when you do something that is not of God, the Holy Spirit is grieved by it, and he will remind you of what you did, because you need to repent. That's why he reminds you, so that you keep your path and your line of communication with God, you keep it clear. So, Jesus told his disciples in John 16, verses 7 through 11, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so the Holy Spirit is available to all of us that have confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he is there to comfort us, to counsel us to uh, encourage us. He's there to do all those things. Uh, but uh, we need to understand that he is there and he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because uh, if they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father Jesus speaking and you see me uh, because I go to my father and you see me no more excuse me of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged and in accomplishing this work the Holy Spirit comes to every individual so this is what he does for us he, he wants us to be in a good place with God wants us to line up with what God's word says. And so he's there to help us understand that. So he convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Uh, so 
that's what we can expect as we have this helper because the Holy Spirit is also called the helper. And then the second office uh, of work of the Holy Spirit is that of an indweller. Uh, and in this capacity, he performs several functions. One is he confirms our relationship to the Father. And so Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So another function in the, is the sealing of the believer. So when you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. To accomplish these works, the Holy Spirit comes into the believer. So we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that seal helps Satan to recognize who we belong to. Because, you know, he, he's been your, when you haven't been saved, he's been your leader. He's been the one that's been dictating to you. He didn't ask you, he dictated to you. He controls you. But see, now you're saved. And so God makes sure that he knows that he, when he's messing with one of his people, because you are sealed. And it's called <clears throat> the guarantee of our inheritance. That guarantees us. That seal guarantees of us of our inheritance because we are a purchase, a purchase, and we are a purchased possession to the praise of God's glory. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. And then the third office of work of the Holy Spirit is that Pentecost is, is what Pentecost is all about. And we're going to see the glorious power that was manifested on Pentecost and it came as a result of the Holy Spirit coming to the early church. But we want to approach Pentecost as a scripturally, uh, as it scripturally progresses from prophecy to promise to experience. So Pentecost was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass. After that, I will pour out my spirit. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm dying to Satan. I'm going to tell it. <laughs> so it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. <laughs> shall dream dreams and young men shall see visions. Also, my men servants and on my maid servants, so on men and women both, I will pour out my spirit 
in those days. <clears throat> Again, that's Joel chapter 2, verses 28 <coughs> and 29. I know somebody's not happy, but that's all right. I'm happy. So in his sermon on the day of Pentecost, talking about Peter, in his uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 14 through 36, Peter declared that the events of that day were fulfillment of this prophecy that was uttered just more than 800 years earlier. <clears throat> so we see these prophecies that come from the Old Testament. So people who say that the Bible is confusing because it doesn't agree. The word and the spirit agree. And anything that was said in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. So what God says is not confusion. Confusion comes from Satan. <clears throat> and we have to understand if a spirit of confusion is uh, coming to us or uh, in a, uh, or gets involved in what we're doing, it's Satan. It's not God. God is not a con uh, God of confusion. So we know that uh, and it, the words were spoken in the Old Testament in Joel chapter 2, 28, 29, and then in Acts 2, 14, <clears throat> Through 36, again, we see that promise fulfilled. So Pentecost was promised. And then in Luke 24 and 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Then we go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So compare those two scriptures. First, Jesus <clears throat> promises that, you will, that they will be endued with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 1 and 8, they're in the upper room uh, getting ready to receive the comforter. You see, Jesus gave them this information in Acts 1 and 8. And then in Acts 2, we see that the manifestation comes. So our Lord was not referring to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of his disciples. That presence that, I'm sorry, that presents the Holy Spirit that was given in the evening hours of the first Easter. So we're going to have to go back to Easter. What happened on Easter? Well, Jesus was resurrected on Easter. And Jesus manifested himself to those disciples several times. But then he manifested in the evening hours of the first Easter. Easter and the account of this was found. You can find it in John 20, 19 through 23. 
So we go back to Easter and then we go forward to the day that Jesus was taken up into the air. By that time, we're at Acts 1 and 8. And then these disciples and women and children were gathered in that upper room. And that's when the Holy Spirit manifested in Acts 2 and 4. So then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive uh, the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He said, Receive the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was indwelled in them. So they were then uh, carriers, containers of the Holy Spirit. So what, where it happened in Jerusalem in the upper room, Acts 1 and 13. And then those involved, which was about 120, is talked about in Acts 1 and 15. And their demeanor, all with one accord in one place. That's Acts 2 and 1. And what occurred was a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 2. So it should be no surprise that the word symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said when he was here on earth to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. <clears throat> the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, people say, well, how do you know you can't see the Holy Spirit? You can't see God? How do you know? And then we know that we can see the wind, <clears throat> we can see the evidences of the wind blowing, but we can't see the wind. Can you see the wind? I can't, but I can see the evidences <laughs> because the leaves on the trees blow and our hair blows and, you know, we know that the wind is existent and that's what we need to understand about the spirit. So what they saw, this is verse five, it's John three, Verse 5 through 8. So verse 5 says <clears throat> what they saw. 
and there appeared to them tongues spreading out like a fire, and one set up on each one of them. This is verse 3, y'all. <clears throat> and then, again, we should not be surprised that fire is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. So to confirm this, we need only to read the utterance of John the Baptist recorded in Matthew 3 and 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he in who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist, we want to keep these Johns separate. There's John the disciple. But John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He was a forerunner for Jesus. And he actually baptized Jesus with water. But he said there's going to come a time when you, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the Holy Spirit symbolizes fire, heat. <laughs> and if you understand the workings of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes when the Holy Spirit is manifested, when people are ministering, laying hands on the sick, uh, ministering, you will feel uh, a heat. And that heat is the heat of the Holy Spirit. And when I first started having that experience, I was a, a middle-aged woman, so I kind of thought that it was hot flashes. But it's a difference in hot flashes and the heat of the Holy Ghost. So we need to understand that fire is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And, and then the participation that these people had, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. This is verse 4 of Acts 2, y'all. I don't want you to get confused. Verse 4 of Acts 2. So the scripture makes it clear that these were not, un were, were not uh, it was unknown language. Uh, and that the 100 and 20 disciples spoke in languages that were unknown to them, but known to those who came to hear. That's what I was trying to tell you earlier. Consider the Bible account. So look at verse 7. But I want to make that clear. The unknown tongues are not known languages. So people who think that this unknown language that God gave them in the upper room was a known language, a known language. It wasn't French, it wasn't Greek, <clears throat> it wasn't Spanish, it wasn't English, of course, And but everyone that heard, heard in their own language. That's what makes it supernatural. So people who say that, you know, it was something else, it was a known language. That is not true. But people who speak other languages other than what was being spoken at the time could understand in their own language. 
because God is that kind of God. He can do that kind of stuff. So verse 7 says, those who heard and what they heard, that's what it tells us. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and was confused because everyone, here you go, everyone heard them speak in his or her own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Virgin and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining serene visitors from Rome. And I, I don't know if you all know that the serene visitors were actually uh, black. Uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, there's no black people in the Bible. Well, that's not quite true. But anyway, I just want to point that out, that there were people of color in the Bible, but Jews it says visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongue, our languages, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed. They were questioning this. They were amazed, of course, but questioning it and saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, oh, they just pulled a new wine. So let me just say this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, well, yeah, I'm almost finished. So I've got a few more notes. But let me just say this, that when I received, uh, uh, no, I hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking out of the tongues, but I was seeking because I had read this book about uh, what happens when men pray. So then I went to the bookstore looking for some more books by Evelyn Christensen. That's who wrote that, What Happens When Women Pray. And I found a couple of books there. Another one by her that was called Lord Change Me, which I bought and read through and prayed, Lord, change me. And certainly did do that in many, many ways. And then the other book that jumped out off the shelf, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There are some things that we look at, and it looks like they're just coming to us, you know. And uh, this book was called Nine O'Clock in the Morning. And I walked in that bookstore, and I saw the book. Then I went and found the book that I came for. And then I saw that book again. And finally, it, it helped. God got me to understand, you need to buy that book. And so I bought the book. And I read first what happened to me. Pray her second book was called Lord Change Me. I read that one. And then I read this 9 o'clock in the morning. And it was about an Episcopalian pastor and his wife in, uh, in uh, Seattle. 
And they had a non-denominational church. Well, they didn't have a non-denominational church. They had an Episcopalian church, which turned into a non-denominational church because both of them got filled with the Holy Spirit with the, uh, the uh, speaking or evidence of speaking in other tongues. And uh, when I got through with that book, of course, then I was just wanting to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's a whole other testimony. But <clears throat> when these uh, people on the day of Pentecost, that's what they received. They received their, what we sometimes refer to as a prayer language, uh, because uh, sometimes God uses you to, uh, to speak uh, in your prayer language to pray for people. Example is, uh, I was, by that time, my son, Eric, uh, before I, uh, I went to Rhema, and I had, God had moved me 